Hello and welcome to The Heat Seat. I am your host, Sophie Solaria. This is the place you'll get to meet some of the amazing patrons, experts and ambassadors behind the fantastic campaign that is Menopause Mandate. We shall get insight into these women's female health experiences from menstruation to menopause. We'll find out how they dealt with the lows, gained their knowledge and found their path to where they are now. But before that, let's talk about something very important and that is our gut health, especially in relation to mental health. Because the relationship between our gut and the brain is actually very powerful. That's why this podcast is being brought to you by The Better Menopause. It's on a mission to transform your health with science-backed nutritional supplements. As you'll hear from this podcast episode, Carolyn talks about her feelings of anxiety, stress, low mood and depression during what she now knows to be perimenopause. And she isn't alone. Many women will be offered antidepressants by their GP, unaware that it may be linked to their menopause. However, these feelings can be directly linked to the change in our hormone level and gut health during perimenopause and menopause. The health and balance of our gut biome can actually influence our serotonin production and improve sleep. So the Better Gut supplements contain six strains of bacteria that work to repopulate that gut lining with beneficial bacteria. This then improves oestrogen metabolism and balance, which then leads to improved absorption of vitamins, minerals and production of serotonin. I've just started taking these supplements myself, actually, and I can already feel a difference to my stomach, like less bloating and I'm more comfortable. But I'll report back on the other improvements. I know their customers say they feel like they have more energy, better quality of sleep and reduced anxiety. So I just can't wait to find out if that helps. If you would like to join me on my road to a better gut and try the Better Gut supplement to support you through your menopause, visit thebettermenopause.com to find out more and receive 15% off your first order with my special code HEATSEAT. But now it's time to meet today's guest. Carolyn Harris is a Welsh politician from Swansea East and she chairs the Menopause All-Party Parliamentary Group. She also chairs the government's menopause task force. Her private member's bill in 2021 led to commitments from the government to dramatically reduce the cost of NHS HRT prescriptions across England. She also works to tackle wider societal issues that impact women's menopause experiences. I absolutely love talking to Carolyn. She was the same engaging and funny woman you see publicly. What you see is definitely what you get. Her passion to help women is second to none and her campaign work has become so far-reaching that we all have a lot to be grateful to her for. Oh, and I want to apologise for the sound quality. The government firewall in Parliament meant the recording didn't quite work out as well as it should have, so I do apologise, but it's back to business now and time to meet the amazing woman behind the campaign and find out more about her own experiences of female health. It's Carolyn Harris, MP. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Lovely to have you. So are you ready for me to ask you the sorts of things that women rarely talk about publicly? Like periods, fertility, menopause. Vaginal dryness. That's exactly what I want to talk about. It's the 70s and in Swansea, Wales, you are a teenager. How much were periods and other female health issues discussed back then and how? Not at all. And never. Never, just never. I, I can actually remember being 12, 13, must have been the second year in, in secondary school, in big school, and one of the girls actually had a period in home economics and she did not know what was happening to her. I can remember vividly that she was there. and We were actually doing cocking 
and we were there and you could just started to see it coming through her, her trousers and she had no idea what was happening to her and the teacher was worse than useless and I remember it was it was me and another girl who actually took her to the bathroom and got her cleaned up and then got her sent home. Did you know what was going on? Yeah, because I'd started my periods, but my mother never told me what a period was. I don't think anybody told me what a period was. I think I'd learned about it in the schoolyard. I can remember my mother saying to me once, if ever you need money to go up the chemist and buy anything and I'm not here, then just tell your father that you need money and he won't ask questions. Uh, and I'm like, what's she talking about? And I, and I can remember having um, a sanitary belt and hammocks. What they, is this? Well, <laughs> years ago, the sanitary towels were literally like disposable nappies with a hook on the other end of it. And you had sanitary belt. I mean, they didn't have sticky. There. Oh, it was horrendous. Oh. I, I, and I can remember that. It was purgatory, but we just didn't talk about it. It was something that nobody ever mentioned. Did you all talk as friends? With close friends, I think everybody's got a buddy of me, a, a close friend, and probably with her. And incidentally, her name was Carolyn as well. So we did speak about such things. And she had an older sister. So I think our knowledge came from Kim, who was her older sister, to Carolyn. And then Carolyn shared with me. And that's how we got to know about it. Where did you get your health education from then? We didn't. We didn't have any health education. You know, um, I was very naive. You know, thinking back now, I honestly thought at one point you could catch um, a VD from a toilet seat. I just did not know anything. I, I And I can remember being in school and uh, quite a few of the girls actually got pregnant when we were in school. And we, we didn't understand how they got pregnant. We knew what you had to do, but we couldn't understand how they got themselves in that position because we didn't understand. We, we weren't told about condoms and things like that. I mean, that was... You just didn't talk about things like that. I mean, I, I'd like to think maybe it was just being Welsh. Maybe we were a little bit old-fashioned. I don't know, but we nobody ever talked about it. But school, these things at all. Nothing. School didn't go nothing there. Nothing at all. No, nothing at all. I was an only child, so you know there wasn't anyone to talk to me about it. And my mother and father, well, my mother would never have talked. I mean, my mother and her sisters were talking about one of the uh, I now know was menopause one day and they sent me out the room and I was 37 <laughs> I was 37 and they said you don't need to be listening to things like this 37 so that just goes to show that it was pretty awful at 37 did you know about the menopause I knew about the change but yeah. I didn't know what the change was other than it was something that happened to women when they got old I didn't understand it I mean I think my own experience with my own menopause is testament to the fact that I didn't understand it. I heard about it. I heard things like Les Dawson talking about it, saying the change. I knew that something happened to women at a certain time in life, but I didn't really know what happened to them, except that they stopped having periods and then they couldn't have babies. But nobody ever said, well, I don't think anybody ever really knew what that involved other than you're getting older. So I suppose a lot of my own experience, not knowing and thinking that I'd had a breakdown, because then I only focused in on the one aspect of the menopause, which I didn't know that was the anxiety and the depression. Yeah. But I never linked aching limbs, tiredness, migraine, itchy eyes. Itchy... I never linked any of that with being menopause. In fact, I just thought that I 
was creaking getting up out of the chair and that I didn't want to, I had no energy to do anything. I put that down to the fact I was getting old and used to say things like age don't come alone. A famous words from me was age don't come alone. Every time I creaked, it was, oh, age don't come alone. I say it all the time. And I very rarely say it now because I don't ever feel like that now. When your son was growing up, what did you teach him in terms of female health? Well, I've had three sons and I've got two two living sons now. And probably no, when they were growing up, no. Now, I talk about it all the time with them. In fact, my sons say, no, we don't want to hear it anymore, ma'am. But my grandson, who's 13, I do talk to him about it because I think he needs to know exactly what's ahead of him. So we are quite open as a family now. But back when my kids were small, no, we didn't talk about it. So when did that change? The last 10 years, probably. Well, my youngest is 21 and my my middle son is 37. My eldest would have been 42. I mean, I can remember. (laughs) I mean, I can remember Stuart's face now. Uh, I caught for Tom when I was 41 and we had to tell Stuart that I was pregnant after his father had given him a lecture on practicing safe sex. <laughs> he, he at the time was 16 when I caught for Tom. And I remember us saying to Stuart, sit down, because something to tell you. And and saying, I'm having a baby. And him saying, and you were the cheat to talk to me about <laughs> safe sex. But and my son was appalled that we were having sex. <laughs> How could he be pregnant? That's, that's disgusting. Like, oh God! I mean, my my youngest son, you know, he's not quite so old-fashioned, and but we tease him now and say, "Oh, we might have a baby brother or baby sister fuses, yeah, whatever." You haven't got the bits anymore, mother. He says. I think society's moved on, isn't it? You know, we we're not old-fashioned anymore, and I just would talk about these things now. So when you talk to your grandson, how do you have those conversations? Yeah, well, my grandson watches me on telly, so uh-huh. I can't really. Because he's heard me say it on TV. He heard me say it on daytime TV and everything. You know, when I'm talking about it, that's already done for me. The legwork's done. He's heard me on telly. And when he goes to school and, and the, some of the teachers will say, oh, your Nana does a lot of work on menopause, which is good because it means that they are talking about these subjects where they should be talking about it to people who need to know what's ahead of them. Absolutely. Of course, menopause is such a large part of your life and work now. You yeah, it is. You've said through your own experience of it, that you felt that you missed out on a lot of life. I've heard you say that before. What does that mean? What was your experience? So I think to understand my experience, you have to go back to 1989 when I lost Martin in a road accident and he was eight at the time. So that was a really difficult time for quite a few years. I was in a really bad place. Um, eventually, I sort of came out to this cocoon and my only way of dealing with that loss was to never allow myself time to stop and think. So I always became this person who was driven. Whatever I was doing, I was driven. I was work, 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 work. I didn't ever want to have the time to stop and think about. I didn't want reflection times. I did. I never forgot Martin. I talked about him all the time. But I didn't want to physically and emotionally have any space to think about him because I couldn't cope with the pain. I just couldn't handle the pain. And in 2010, I I bled for six months continuously. And eventually, when I went to the hospital, I was really, really ill, really anemic. Uh, You know, they couldn't even have a look what was wrong with me until I'd had uh, the drip for 48 hours, having blood and iron. 
eventually when I you know they did lock it was fibroids I had the fibroids removed never saw it again but very quickly went into a really deep depression really low mood anxious and it's really awful I would be catastrophizing little things would become a huge 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 issues and I I assumed because I'd not allowed myself time to think that now that I wasn't well enough to be work, 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 that I was giving myself time to think. And that's why I was gone into a depression. So I went on antidepressants in 2010, believing that I had mental health issues and stayed on antidepressants for the next eight years, not realizing I was menopausal. I didn't actually own my menopause until 2018. I spoke about it in this place. And I spoke about how I wanted to make sure that other women had the best possible care and support for their menopause, but not me, because I'd sailed through mine. And then I realised that I hadn't sailed through mine, that I'd actually been going through the menopause for many years and had never embraced it. Once I embraced it, it was a different thing. I was, I felt better immediately once I realised I was menopausal. How did you realise? How did you join the dots in the end? talking to other women and listening to other women talking about their symptoms and realising that creaking up out of the chair was not age. It was part of the menopause. Realising that, you know, not being able to sleep at night because my legs were aching, that was part of the menopause. Having migraines was part of the menopause. I just realised that all these things that I sort of written off as being not important were all parts of the bigger picture and that other women would experience them too then I knew it was menopausal. But then by that point, you what, you'd lost 10 years to this? Well, yeah, I probably lost 10 years by then in in as much as, you know, I hadn't gone on holidays. If I, you know, unless we had to go, I didn't want to do anything. I just worked, 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 worked. That's all I ever done. But I guess, you know, in the same way as people didn't talk about periods, pregnancy, the menopause I'm sure that lots of people didn't talk to you about your grief either because that no. was another secret fear grief is a fact I mean it's a strange thing some people who you didn't speak to before suddenly want to be your best friend some people seem to thrive mm. of being in the center of somebody else's drama they want to be the one who they think has all the information and the go-to person for other people to come and ask the question. And some of the people who assumed that role, when I lost Martin, I never had a conversation with before, during or since. I just don't know where they got this idea that they were the go-to person. Other people feel it so acutely, they can't even talk to you, they'll cross the street because they don't know what to say. Um, neither is very good. So, yeah, it's, it's a subject that a lot of pe people find really difficult, especially when it's a child. And then you finally worked it out. You realised this can't be 15 different problems. This is one no. problem. Yeah. What did you do? Nothing. What, what you didn't? I did nothing. I did nothing for another two years, uh, except now, now know that I was menopausal. And I felt better knowing, but I didn't do anything about it. And then Davina McCall said, oh, what HRT are you on? Something like that. I said, I'm not. Because uh, I thought I was too old. I was 60 by this time and thought, there's no way you're going to give me HRT. And she said, well, you know, you should ask. So I made a, an appointment with a private doctor. I had a consultation. I came off that phone, knowing medication was on its way, and my life was transformed. So your first prescription was the one? Yeah, uh, transformed. I mean, I, I felt 
elated that I actually now had a doctor telling me, yeah, I was menopausal. I was excited that I was going to have something which may help. And when I did start taking it, oh, I just can't tell you the differences made to my life. What were the fundamental differences? What can you really um, remember changing? Yeah, the energy, the clarity of thought, and I got my enthusiasm for life back. Now it's obviously it's steady now, but if for some reason I don't take my HRT or I, I forget to take it and, and I have gone away on holidays and forgotten to take it or thought I had it and didn't, and by the time I come home, I was climbing the walls again. But I'm a different person. I know I know I need to take it now and I will not not take it. So what are you on then, HRT? I am on oh I'm on three. I'm on estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And any particular way of taking it, is it? Gels. Um, I the gel four pumps, one on each arm, one on each leg. A pea-sized testosterone. I I'm on the female version and the little tablet for the progesterone. Can't believe. So that. it's coming up for three years now that I've been on HRT. You need a little HRT celebration party. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about those awful symptoms, debilitating symptoms. Did they impact your family and relationships in any way? Uh, not my relationships, but my family, because I didn't want to go away. I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to do things. I was always tired. I was always stressy. I did and still do, to a certain extent, have a massage. But now I have it for pleasure. Then I was having it for try desperately trying to get some me time, if that makes sense. Now I just I just love having a massage. Oh, now. Who doesn't? But, yeah, I mean, I haven't had a massage for a long time, but I need to have one now. You need a massage. Karen, you are the chair of the all-party parliamentary group on menopause and a passionate advocate about changing the way we think about menopause. Why did you decide that it wasn't just menopause privately that you were going to cope with, but you wanted a campaign for change? I think it was because I, I started hearing some really awful stories of women who hadn't got the right service and hadn't got the right... Um, medication and couldn't get a diagnosis and I started hearing about the lack of knowledge amongst doctors and and everything that we all know um, and I just I, I'm one of these people who does not like injustice if I see a problem I have to solve it and I thought right I'm going to do something about this and then once I started trying to solve it I saw all these other problems come in um, so now we take a problem at a time and we try to solve everything has been going along but it's, it's just about identifying that there are so many women out there who are not getting the right service the right treatment the right opportunities to have a normal life that's all I just want women to have a normal life and doing something about menopause is going to go some way to help that well we know one in ten women leave the workplace because of menopause and that's just such an insanely high number how are you working to stop this from happening Two things, really. I mean, I think if we get doctors training better, then that, that will help that. But I also believe that if we were to include menopause in occupational health criteria, that may get a lot of women who are currently on long-term sick with mental health issues. It might identify they haven't got mental health issues and get them back into work if they want to work. Um but it's about information. If we can get the information and the knowledge out there, women will help themselves. Sisters will do it for themselves because up until now, nobody else is doing it for them. And doctors need 
all medical professions need to do their bit as well. And I don't blame them because if they weren't taught it, they were a bit like we weren't taught it. So how do we know? But we are learning. They need to learn. And together we can make this better again. Well, of course, because if they don't understand it, they will be afraid almost to prescribe it. Right? Yeah. So yeah. then women go privately and it's all right for some women that can afford but, that. But it's extremely expensive. I couldn't have afforded it if I wasn't doing this job. But that means that all my friends back home, they can't afford it. Yeah. So they have gone through life. Like like me saying they didn't have a menopause, and think that me saying I've had a menopause makes me posh, because <laughs> I I can afford to have a menopause. Yeah, but they've had to struggle and and work when they couldn't really, or change jobs or end up on a benefit or just missing out so much on life. Oh, absolutely, you've just explained yourself so beautifully how you can lose so many years of life without this. And so, what are you going to? see happen what do you want to see happen in this area about trying to get the right treatment instead of paying for treatment i'm trying to think of how best we can encourage doctors or prescriber nurses or pharmacists so that every geographical area will have a pathway will have access to a person who has the ability to pinpoint that that woman is menopausal and to signpost that to the correct medication whether it's prescribing it or suggesting what she says to a doctor to prescribe it so I want every, but I also want women to have a choice I don't want some women because they live in low-income areas to only have access to certain HRT or you know if they can't take HRT whatever resource they feel works for them I want women to have choice and to have choice they need knowledge so I need to have knowledge to have choice, and then the resource to be available to meet the demand. You're amazing. No, I'm not. <laughs> you really are, because this is exactly what we want. Menopause Mandate, obviously, is now taking over. You were the, one of the beginning people. How did you get involved in that campaign with Davina and Mariella? And- well, what happened was, I had a private member's bill in October 21, where I'd been pulled up to the hat to have this private member's bill and I knew I wanted to do something on menopause but a private member's bill has to be done within a year and as least complicated as possible so we thought of all the things that we'd like to do but none of them were going to happen in a year and none of them were particularly uncomplicated the only thing I could think of at the time was that women in Wales Scotland and Northern Ireland didn't pay for prescriptions women in England did so that meant women on HRT in England were paying for their HRT so I thought, well, that's pretty simple. It's a yes or a no. So I worked with the government to try to come up with a solution to that problem. The eventual solution was not that it was free, which is what I wanted, but that they would only pay once a year. So it's 80 or £19.40 for a year's prescription. So, But it was never about the HRT. It was about raising awareness of the menopause. So Mariella and Davina and Penny and Gabby and all these wonderful women... I'd got involved in us trying to get this campaign to make HRT free or a once-a-year uh, once cost. And we sort of kept in touch. And then a couple of months later, we were under the impression that that prescription charge was going to come in in the January. And months were passing and nothing was happening. So we were in touch with each other and saying, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? And it didn't happen. And eventually found out the government was stalling on it. So we all got together on a Zoom call. Originally, 
to try to come up with a plan to force the government into introducing the prescription. And what happened from that was menopause mandate was born. And it's and brilliant. And gone from strength to strength. So what are you most proud of from the campaign work? Uh, I think it's the fact that no women are talking about it and they're talking about it to everyone. I, I said this a few times, but my husband was in a supermarket and a woman came on to him and told her all our symptoms. Now, a woman in Wales would never gone on and told anyone our menopause symptoms, let alone my husband, but she recognised him. And as much as he was embarrassed, I'm like, well, we're doing something right. If wherever I go, somebody mentions menopause to me. If I go to the football, men say, my wife loves you. She's on the menopause. Wherever I go, people are talking to me about menopause. So we are doing what we want you to do, which is to raise awareness and get people talking. Including your grandson, whose nana is talking about the menopause. Men, vaginal dryness. My, my grandson is probably like, oh, my God, shut up, nana. But but he knows. And I, I say these things all the time. Carolyn, what do you want to see tackled next? First priority. I want women to have access to testosterone, but I don't want them to have access to testosterone simply the male product i want i want it license i want a female testosterone license on prescription so that all women can if they want to try it if they don't want to they haven't got to but they need to have the opportunity to have it so that's a big one i want all doctors to understand what the menopause is and to be able to identify it and prescribe for it i just want women to have the ability to walk into a workplace and not be afraid that anybody's going to ask them questions about anything that may be related to menopause because it's such a, a friendly environment. They don't need to ask for anything because everything is there. I just want women to have a normal life. What an amazing statement to end on. Thank you. Carolyn, we're going to end this podcast by asking each guest, you today, of course, to choose their favourite song from the Menopause Mandate Hot List. What's your favourite song on the playlist and why have you chosen it? Hot Legs because I love Rod Stewart, and I think the work that he's done with Penny to help us to raise awareness, it's, I'm so delighted. So hot legs. He deserves to be on that hot list playlist. It's Rod Stewart, and you can go and listen to that, of course, yourself. Thank you so much for today. It's been insightful. We really wish you all the best for the coming years as far as menopause is concerned, and thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast with Carolyn Harris. What a fantastic woman with such passion for helping others. And I'm sure she won't stop until she's achieved what she needs to. Thank goodness. To find out more about Carolyn and the great work that she does for Menopause Mandate, do head to our website, menopausemandate.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment, a question or a suggestion for any of the people that I talk to this series, do get in touch. My email's theheatseat at menopausemandate.com. And if you've got any questions for anyone I've spoke to so far, just let me know. I have them on speed dial and I'm sure they'll be delighted to answer you. Plus, if you like what we're doing, please give it a good review and of course, share it with your friends and family. As I always say, knowledge is power and if you know what you're dealing with, you can make a plan. Another way to gain knowledge is to listen to the experts. That's why we at Menopause Mandate love Let's All Talk Menopause. Let's All Talk Menopause is a webinar platform. They run regular sessions with leading menopause experts covering everything you need to know about your menopause. Plus, you get the chance to ask the experts your questions. You can subscribe for as little as £5 a month 
or £50 a year. And if you quote MM at checkout, you can get 20% off your annual subscription. So come and join me, plus the thousands of other happy subscribers who have discovered Let's All Talk Menopause. Finally, thank you for being here today. Until next time, take care.